Father, your servant, I come before you. I ask that you speak through me. I ask that you bless through me. I ask that the entrance of your word will give light and give understanding to the simple. I ask that, Lord, you will bless us by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So the, the theme tonight is winning. Winning. It's always a joy to be on the winning side. Losing is a difficult thing. How many of you know that? That to lose is not pleasant at all. I, I wasn't watching the premiership when Chelsea was losing. And immediately we started winning. I'm now watching it. It's not exciting to watch you losing. It's exciting to watch you winning. That's why it is. In, in life, life is not exciting if we see that you are always on the losing end. You must have something to celebrate. You must have something to point to and celebrate and say, I have won. I have achieved something. You know, so this series is actually to give us the supernatural keys and understanding on how to win in life. On how to win in life. Amen. It is said that when a man releases sperms, I think he released about 40 million sperms, people have different, different versions of it. But let's go with the 40 million sperms, and one must fertilize the egg of a woman. And then, so you were born because you beat the 40, um, the other sperms in the 40 million. So you beat how many? 30. Nine. Well, how many? Thirty-nine million nine hundred and ninety-nine um, um, sperms, isn't it? You beat all of them, so you are already a winner. But you see, what they don't tell you is that immediately you are born, you also start raising, raising actually with seven billion people, with seven billion people. And the race is hotter when you are born than when you were a sperm. Okay? And I want to show you by the grace of God and teach you some principles that can help you become a winner. So quickly turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and the verse 11. Ecclesiastes 9 and the verse 11. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift. Or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Among the several scriptures that changed my life was this particular scripture. That the race is not to the swift. But time after time and chance is for us all. So somebody may be, may be more brilliant than you, more worthier than you. You have the same time and the same opportunities with a person. And in part one of this series... I'm going to share on time. So what I'm trying to establish here is that there are two keys 
to winning in life. Two keys to winning in life. Key number one is time. Key number two is chance. And today we're going to look at key number one. Key number one, which is time. Time. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1 to 2. To everything there is a season and time to every purpose under the heaven. Now here, a time to be born and a time to die. Now, we talk about a lot of times. We talk about the time to go to work, the time to wake up, the time to marry, the time to give birth, the time to love, the time to hate, the time to scatter, the time to gather, etc., etc. The time to mourn and the time to dance. But there's one time we don't really talk about. And that is where our focus is on tonight. And that is lifetime. 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 The summation of your life. One day you will not be here anymore. And you will be gone. And then people will start talking about your lifetime. The lifetime of my father. The lifetime of my mother. The lifetime of my brother. The lifetime of my this and that. Just before we came to the service, mommy received the, the, the news of the calling home of one of the half-brothers. And, and she and her elder sister, Dinah, were just discussing their brother's life. His lifetime. When he used to work here and when he used to do this and when he used to do that and all those things. And at the end of it all, they came to a conclusion. Was he a success or a failure? At the end of it all, they came to a conclusion. One day you will get there where you will be no more. And people will start talking about your lifetime. The duration of your life. And what you did with it. But my focus here is to try to call your attention to the fact that the shortest time you have in life is not the 24 hours you get in a day. The shortest time you have in life is your lifetime. Do you know somebody, they can say that somebody did more in 24 hours than he did in the lifetime that he spent. So I want to show you something. Psalm 19 verse 10, reading from the New Living Translation. 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years so let's say we all of us are going to hit 80 and above. My father got 75. My mother is 80 something now. And she's still very strong. That woman can go to 90 and 90 something. 
still very, very strong. Can still climb a um, three-story building. She's tough. 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But here. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. When I see young people who think that they have enough time, let me tell you this. The best years of your life are used in solving problems. That's what the Bible says. The rich you see every day on TV that you think they have peace, they spend the best years of their life solving problems and dealing with difficult issues. Some have sons who are drug addicts that they have to deal with. Some have wives or husbands who are problematic that they wish they will not even stay at home. Some have diseases and sicknesses that they are dealing with. Some are on drugs that they have to take every day. Some of them have um, things in their chest, in their heart. If we stop breathing, if that machine stops working, they would die. There's a song my big sister used to sing Olive when we were young. Life in this world is a great struggle for both young and old. Even those who have great riches have troubles on their own. Hey, like some people are old here. They know how to sing all these songs. Okay, okay. So, let, let me move on. Now, 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 now. Listen. So, so, I'm trying to establish that even if you have 80 years to live, a chunk of it will be used in solving problems. Not, not usually solving other people's problems. When you solve other people's problems, you, you are made richer solving other people's problems. But in this case, he's not talking about you solving other people's problems. He's talking about you solving your problems. Once one problem is ending, another is coming. Okay? So your lifetime is spent dealing with problems. But even here, this one. Psalm 90 verse 12. From the Good News Translation. Teach us how short our life is. So that we may become wise. Teach us how short our life is. So that we may become wise. The things you have to deal with. Even if you are 80 years. Even if you live for 80 years. The things that you will have to deal with. Will take all the, your, your time. So you have only little time left. And that's what the Bible says. Teach us how short our life is so that we will be wise. I grew up knowing Jerry John Rawlings as our, our, our leader. Then one day we just woke up. The man was gone. And then I said, life is short. Because it looked very short for me. For all the years he lived, it still looked very, very short for me. That's how it is. So that's what the Bible says. We are here and then we fly away suddenly. 
And sometimes I pity the young people who think that they have a lot of time. Who think they have time and they, they relax and all this preaching about having an agency in life and working hard to achieve things. For them, it's nothing because we are young. Let's have fun. We are young. Time flies just like that. Let me show you how it flies. You, let me show you if you can take one day to analyze how time flies, you understand how your lifetime can fly. You wake up in the morning and you have 12 hours. You have 12 hours. By the time you finish your devotion, go to your bathroom to take your bath and eat your breakfast and get out, three hours already gone, you are left with, with nine hours. By the time you sit in traffic and you get to where you are going and sit in your office, three more hours is gone and you are left with six hours. And you are wondering, I just woke up in the morning and I have 12 hours. Suddenly, 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 six is gone. By the time you turn around and you are coming home, the 12 hours is gone. And sometimes you feel, what did I do with it? What did I do the whole day with that 12 hours? That is how short our life is. Now let me read another scripture to remind you how short our life is and why you must have a sense of agency in life. Psalm, Psalm 39, the verses 4 and 5. Lord, Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. That my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the weight of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Ah. You see, that's why we must humble ourselves and serve God while we have opportunity. Each of us is but a breath. That's why in most cases when people are dying, they say they give their last breath. And they breathe their last breath. They just, hmm, there you are go. Because you, you are just a breath and they can just leave you. I just gotten up one day, healthy, talking, eating nice breakfast. Then by evening, started feeling that I was not breathing well. Then mommy said, let's go and see your doctor. I didn't want to go. She insisted. By the time I got to, the time I got to my doctor's office and I was telling my doctor how I was feeling, my breath just ceased. Suddenly, I was on oxygen and I was in ambulance and they were just taking me. I didn't feel any of the COVID symptoms. Nothing. I was smelling, eating well, doing everything fine. But suddenly, I was on my way in an ambulance to an unknown destination. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the ambulance, you don't see outside, you don't see anything. Felt so alone, so lonely. 
even though I knew mommy was driving behind me, I felt so alone and so lonely. Then when they opened, we got the hospital, they opened everything, then Charles entered. And then, you were with me. See, I was sitting in front. Then you, you see how important it is to have people. And then suddenly, here is me sitting in a wheelchair. Oh, a healthy man who was playing with his children. Here's me in a wheelchair. They just drove me upstairs, put me on in the bed. Put, and I'm a very independent person. And here's me with things on my face and people running to save my life. And everything was about breath. They understand why we are only a breath. Everything was about breath. How to save that my breath. Then after a while, they picked me up, took me to to chest my to, to do a chest X-ray. And they say my lungs are almost gone. Oh, is that how short life is? Just a breath. So the whole the whole human life is just a breath. And when we tell you to commit yourself to God and to serve Him and to dedicate your life to Him, you chase after things that will waste your life. Not here. So your lifetime is so short, and to be able to maximize it, you must understand the four lines in every timeline and how to cross it. From year zero to year 80, we are assuming that all of us will live up to 80. From year zero to year 80, we have what we call deadlines. Deadlines. And let, let, me, let me show you how, how wicked the system is and how even a day-old baby is given a deadline. There are things you must do at a certain time. If you miss it, you are finished. A day-old baby is supposed to cry at a certain time when the baby is born. And the baby has a deadline. <laughs> the baby must cry. If the baby doesn't cry after a while, then there might be something wrong with the baby. So even a baby that is born must cry. And then you, the mother, when you give birth and you're not being able to raise your head to see your baby, and you hear the cry of your baby, there's this relief. Because the baby just met a deadline. The baby must cry in some seconds when the baby is born. The baby must start making certain noises, start knowing the mother within some months. If the baby is not able to know the mother within some months, there's, there's something wrong. The baby must sit at a certain month. Deadlines. The baby must crawl. Around the eighth, tenth month, the baby should be crawling. Seventh to eight, the baby must be crawling. In other words, the baby should be sitting around six, isn't it? Six months should be sitting. So the, the baby who doesn't know anything is must achieve certain things 
And you know, some mothers, at least the community I grew up, when a baby is not crawling at a certain time, mothers can get angry and spank the babies. Your other babies are crawling. You, you are sitting down at one place and you are crying. Maybe the mother is sitting somewhere and the baby is sitting somewhere and the baby is crying, wants to be lifted. And the mother says, come, come. And the baby is not crawling to come. The mother gets angry, goes there, spanks the baby and says, but now you should be crawling. Life is so harsh that life gives you deadlines. Time-bound results. At a certain age, the baby must stand. If that baby is not standing, the baby is seen to be lazy or sick. And then, and then at, a, at a certain age, the baby should be walking. And at a certain age, the baby should be talking. And the baby should be mentioning the mother's name or the father's name, at least the titles. Mommy, mama, or something. And then you are excited. There is development. So there are deadlines in life. And I have two sets of deadlines. These are just examples. These are examples to show you how people expect you to have achieved a certain result at a certain time in your life. And you yourself must understand that there are deadlines in your life. Are you here? Are you following what I'm teaching you? And if you want to win, you must beat these deadlines if you want to win. <laughs> so, there are what we call foundational deadlines. And these foundational deadlines are between 0 to 25. 0 to 25 years old. There are things that you should have achieved within this period. At least by the time you are 25 years, minimum 25 years, you should have a skill you can sell in exchange for money. A skill you can sell in exchange for money. Either you have a degree or you have a certain trade. You were a hairdresser or a mechanic or um, an accountant. You should have something. That's why the school age, and they keep reducing it. They keep reducing the foundational deadlines. They keep reducing it. Now, by 21, you should finish university. Because people are now entering university at 18. And for four years, you are in the university. So by, by 22, you, you should have a skill. A skill that you can, you can sell. And you start losing. You start losing when you start missing these deadlines and you don't care. If at 22, you have nothing to sell. No skill to sell. You, have, you see, God created all of us and placed us what we call talents. You must discover that talent and have it developed at least by the time you are 25. If you, your talent is cooking, by the time you are 25, you should be noted to be a cook who can cook well and somebody should be willing to pay for your services. There are people, the talent in you 
is to become a mathematician or an accountant or a lawyer or, or something. And within this period, you should have it. A mechanic, some God created them to have this technical ability to fix broken down things. You must have it. These are what we call foundational deadlines. And if around those years you don't have them, please know that you are losing. You are losing. You have started losing. And you have wasted some times in your life. Because what I'm calling the foundational deadlines, they are the, 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 the period in which you achieve things on which you build your life. If you don't have those things, you can't build your life. Are you here? At least when I was 22, I knew God has called me. I was a pastor. I was pastoring. Painfully employed. Leading the youth. Winning souls, preaching everywhere from secondary school to secondary school. So I, today, I see 22-year-olds I see 25 year olds who, who, who are still like babies. And I'm like, where are you going in life? <laughs> are you here? When, when you go to, when you, when you travel outside the country, you see why white people are getting better than us. Most of us, our children in the university, we pamper them. Once 18 year olds in universities outside have to work and earn the money serving McDonald's and clean here and do some cleaning somewhere, etc. etc. Well, we don't do that. Even in vacation, what do we do? Spend all the time. Children can come. Your second your university child, your your child in university can come on vacation for three months. For three months. And all she does is cutesing and braiding hairs and the boys playing um, games. <laughs> that is all. When children of the same age in advanced countries where they even get loans for university and grants for university, where they have access to unemployment benefits, are still working to end money. And there are some of you sitting here looking at me right now. What are you selling? If we meet that, those foundational deadlines, your life will be a mess forever. Now, now, there are also what we call key deadlines. Key deadlines. There are certain age in your life where you are expected to be very independent. If you don't own a house, you are renting a house, living in it. There are expectations. People expect you, and you must go by those things. 
By 24, I was married. At least I was living in an uncomputed building, but I rented it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By 27, at least from where I came from, by 27, I've managed to get myself um, a scholarship. I traveled out trying to make sure I can raise a family. When I came to Sprinters, I was in my early 30s. I was in my early 30s when I came to Sprinters Road here. Still a very young man, about 30. 30 32, 30, 34, between that time when I came here, I was still a very young man, but I was a tough guy. I knew that there are key deadlines in my life. There are some, I knew that there are key deadlines in my life that if by the time I hit 40, I do not have certain things to show for, for living, I was a failure. And I was passionate, I was aggressive, To university as a mature, most people don't know that I went to university as a mature student and tried to make sure I catch up because I missed certain foundational deadlines and I had to catch up, I had to rush and catch it up. <laughs> now, because you have to Here's some key deadlines in your life. From the age 18 to the age 14, you must streamline. From the age 18 to the age 40, you must streamline. If you don't streamline, <laughs> at this time, see, now I, from, from 18 to the age 40, within the 0 to 80, where you must lay a big deadlines and key deadlines, from 18 to 40, you must streamline your life. You get it? There must be some streamlining. You, you see? Living is by design, not default. When you are living by design, not default, you are planning your life. Every second counts. Every minute counts. Every hour counts. Every, every day counts. Every time counts. And you are streamlining your life. You are answering key questions. Why did God create me? Why? From the age of 18 to the age of 40, you should be able, if you want to win, answer these questions. The why questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Why did God create me? Why did God create me? What is my purpose on earth? By the time you are 18, you should be asking those questions. Instead of 18, watching movies and playing games and supporting football teams that you have not seen their stadiums before. You have not met their players before. That is video game. Televisions will kill you. Are you here? You should, be more, you should be serious from the age of 18. Where you are called a woman and you are called a man. From 18. 
and we should start we should start treating our children with kid gloves and start letting them feel that they are still children because you see your whole life will be messed up from 18 to 40 if you don't answer these questions why the reason for existence what what can i do to fulfill this reason how how do i do it when where do i spend my time how do i spend my time how do i maximize my time and then where where do i spend my time between 18 and 40 i answered these questions and it helped me you won't find me everywhere because people are there wherever you find me every location you find me i am there because of my purpose I'm there because of my purpose. I knew what I had to do to fulfill my purpose. I knew what I had to do to fulfill my purpose. I knew, I learned how to do it. And like they say, true, truly, life begins at 40. Because if at 40, you don't evolve. You don't evolve into a more prominent life. Into a more respectable life. Into a life that glorifies God. So that nobody looks at you and says, you have served God and your life is wasted. Please, let's stay. The Bible said, I will give you shepherds who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. The, the, the problem of our generation is that we have, we have shepherds who lack knowledge and understanding. I will not teach you these things. And will not put the responsibility at your doorstep. And will not let you get out of a service and go and find something to do with your life. But we'll rather let you go from a service and go and stay in your room and start believing God for something. Hmm. I might talk to somebody. You must streamline your life from, from 18 to 40. My sister Olive here always tells me something. She's my big sister. I come immediately after her. She always tells me, what's up I'm your big sister. But the reason why I respect you and value you and I've extended that respect to your wife and value your wife is because I saw you growing. I saw you growing. I saw how serious you were with God. I saw how serious you were with life. He said, I know you. You see, a prophet is not honored in his heart. He won't know how. But I am honored by my siblings. I'm honored by my sisters. I'm honored by even my senior brother. My senior brother says, I tell people oh, that this, my brother, is not one of those pastors oh, who live on church. Even when he was a young boy, his vision was not to live on church offerings and tithes. I streamline my life. I've said to you, success do not happen to people. People happen to success. I have some pastor trainees under me. It is for them to streamline their life under me. It is not for me to force them to streamline their life. 
<laughs> Pastors here, I'm telling you, some of you can stay here with me for the next 20 years and still remain the same. Until you streamline your life and make sure you are meeting your deadlines because you have 0 to 80 to beat deadlines. And you must set targets for yourself where you want your ministry to be by certain time and by certain distance. You must set targets and work towards it. Work towards entertainment. I might preach it to someone here. Listen. From 40 to 60 is what I call timeline. So we have deadlines and timelines. Now, from 40 to 60, this is where people start, start becoming envious and start becoming jealous and start blaming people. Because from 40 to 60, if you have not, you don't have trophies to show who yourself, you start feeling guilty. If you have no trophies to show, not a plot of land to show for, for, for the years you have lived. <laughs> from 40 to 60, You must be passionate about achieving something. I've said it here before. i preached it here before. Let me state it again for the purpose of emphasis. Three A's. Three A's that determines your appeal. Your appearance. Because man looks at the actual appearance. Your appearance. If I had come here with some raster hair, most of you would have been disappointed. Isn't it? Appearance. Then two, your attitude. Because character counts. And then three, your achievement. Your achievement determines the respect that people give you. Eh? It determines the respect that people give you. Achievement. If asked Bishop Duncan, William walks in here, I'll stop preaching. Everybody will be up receiving him. Even though we are in the presence of God, we will still receive him like that. Why? Achievement. If Bishop Doug walks in here, achievement. If, if Dr. Otabel walks in here, the same thing, achievement. If um, Bishop Tatajinasari walks in here, the same thing, all of us will stop preaching, we will receive him. If Bishop Takiyabel comes in here, the same thing, the same thing. Why? Achievement brings respect. Want your wife to respect you? Don't demand it. Achieve. Oh, yeah. yeah. You want your husband to respect you? Don't demand it. Achieve. Mommy is naturally a very respectful person, but I believe she respects me more for what I've been able to achieve in our lives. I believe so. I believe that my sisters also respect me because of what I've been able to achieve. If at the time I started in the wooden structure, we are still been there. If <laughs> you, you get you get it, I'm sure that when when I kept saying in church, I'm moving you, I'm moving you. When some of you came here and saw what we have done here in a very short time, your respect for me went up, isn't it? You respected me more. Yeah. Achievements. 
and then, and then, um, within 18 to 80, okay, God continues to give us second chances. You get it? So you may miss key foundations. Foundation, I, I told you, I went to university um, as a mature student because at the time I, 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 I finished all levels, everybody was going to Bible school. So I went to Bible school. I went to Bible school. And it was an un- unaccredited diploma. <laughs> and I got on, and I became a pastor. At one point in my life, I said, and I was a young pastor, and I was on full time. Mommy goes to work, church members are in work. You don't find everybody, 20-something year old pastor, young man. I was on full time, praying, fasting, following up people. And they have so many hours left in my life for nothing. I said, I said, this full time thing is boring for my age. It's too boring for my age. I checked myself to invest. In, started developing myself. Started building myself. Started developing myself. God, you see, from 18 to 80, any time you miss a deadline, God gives you a second chance. The major problem with most of us is that we are not spiritually sensitive enough to be able to understand the second chance God is giving us. Even sometimes, the second chance God gives us, we abuse it more. You don't have a skill, you don't have anything, and you still manage to get a job. And then you are lazing at a job. Instead of working hard for God to help you climb up, you lazy at the job. You have <laughs> nothing to, you have missed the deadline, skills some key deadline, and then somebody gives you a scholarship to go to school, and then that also becomes the burden of the person who has given you the scholarship. And I've seen a lot of that. Some people left this church because I gave them a foreign scholarship. Scholarship that you have to pay thousands of pounds for tuition. I said, tuition, I'll give it you for free. But that 100 pounds or 50 pounds for registration, you will pay. Then the 50 pounds came for them to pay. Then they came to me, Daddy, I don't have money. Will you pay for me? I said, no, I'm not paying that 50 pounds for you. You must also help yourself. This man is a very wicked man. That's money. He didn't help me pay. Even people in who left church because I've given them full scholarship. Full scholarship. And then they failed some papers. I mean, when you are given a scholarship and you fail papers, the scholarship should be withdrawn. That is it. It should be withdrawn. And then they came to me and said, Daddy, I'm coming to rewrite. And they say 500. Daddy, please. Daddy, I don't have the money. Daddy, please. I said, I don't give scholarship for failure. Nobody gives scholarship of it. Hmm. Hmm. Then they left the school and left the church. Because I didn't give them. You see, how we abuse second chances. Because you see, when you have a sense of entitlement in life, that's when you think that everything, you deserve everything. You, you deserve this. And you deserve that. And this must be given to you. Especially pastors, listen to me. For those of you who are around me, they, they, you see, your your sense of entitlement must come from your achievement, not my achievement. You cannot begin to desire things you know your church cannot afford, you, the church's income cannot afford, but because I can afford it, 
you have this sense of entitlement that the man of God must help her because he is my father. Are you, listen, in life, eh, don't have any sense of entitlement. Work for everything. When God gives you second chances, take advantage of it and work hard. Now, let me quickly show you how to maximize your lifetime so that you can win. How to maximize your lifetime so that you can win. So we are using the acronym SPEED to maximize our lifetime. The number of years God has given us to live, how do you maximize it? So the S in SPEED is specificity. Specificity. Focus. Purpose. Focus. Focus. Focus in life. If you do everything in general, you will do nothing in particular. You achieve nothing in particular. Focus. Look at this scripture. I love this scripture. I love this scripture. I love, and if you see, if you are reading your Bible, if you are Bible, you are reading your Bible, you will every day find something that will change your life and improve on your life. Look at it. Let your eyes look straight ahead. When you come to church, eh, look straight to the pulpit. Don't look at people eyeing you and look at people insulting you and look at people talking and look at people doing this. <laughs> when mommy wanted to put curtains here. I didn't want her to put it. But she explained to me that, my dear, we'll be in church and you'll see people watching the, the, the road. You'll hear people in the hotel. And true, true, for the two Sundays or three Sundays we went, I was observing. How people were looking on the street. So looking on the... You see, there's some people there. Eh? Anything can just attract their attention. Hey, you must be purpose-driven, oh. You must have a single-minded devotion to something in life in order for you to win. During the days of Uzebot, when they are waiting for the Olympic Games to win, for the four years he's running on the, uh, on the mountain and descending, his focus is on one thing. Focus is on one thing. His focus is on that gold. That gold I must win. He goes to Diamond League and wins. Diamond League, I, I, they give why did they give Diamond League? They give you a diamond, eh? That is worth millions of dollars. And you must win it. He's focusing there. And you see this guy, when you see him training, when you see him training, when you see Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo training, his focus throughout his whole life was to win Ballon, Ballon d'Or, was to become famous, was to become the world champion, the, the best footballer in the world. That was the guy's focus. And the reason why I admire Cristiano Ronaldo more than Messi is that it looks like Messi has a natural talent. So his, his, his flair, his, and Ronaldo had to add more. He had to add more to be able to reach to to, to be able to reach where Ronaldo, where Messi. At 32, the guy, they, they buy him at a very big price. People were telling Juventus, you are buying. And then they went to two medicals. And at 32, his body was 20, 22. With 7% fat. You, you look at you, fat, 120%. You are... You are 22, but your body is 40 years. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, your body is forty. There is, there is nothing, no passion, nothing is driving you. No discipline in your life, and yet you want to win. No discipline. No discipline. No discipline. My discipline in life is driven by what I see ahead. Let your eyes look straight ahead. I was discharged from hospital on the 2nd of January. By the 10th of January, I was here. I was begging mommy. Mommy said, you're not going anywhere. Mommy said, you're not even preaching. For where your lungs broke up to, where they told me your lungs got to, you're not preaching the next, the next three months, you're not preaching. I said, if you, want, if you want me to die, don't let me preach by the third Sunday, I'll die. I said, if you want me to die, don't let me go and see the project. Let me go and sit down there. I will come here and hell die in the rest will be back. Then you go home. I said, this is what keeps me alive. My passion, my passion, my passion is what keeps me alive. You must always, every day, wake up into something. Wake up into something. Those who wake up to nothing sleep like something. Even alarm clock cannot wake them up. <laughs> Let your eyes look straight ahead. Face your gaze directly before you. Face your gaze directly before you. Because your eyes can look straight ahead without you looking at anything. But gazing, gazing is, is specific. Because when you, you can look ahead and see many things. But the many things you see, there must be one thing you are gazing at. Ah! Our It tells the kind of the kind of weird mindedness you have. Three men, three men, you can't make a choice. Our you can't make a choice. Wait to the door, wait to and now wait so did the door. Because you are not marrying by assignment. You are marrying by beauty. You are marrying for, marrying for flimsy excuses and other things. May God have mercy on you. Now, give careful thought to your path. Give careful thought. For life is a journey on a dangerous road. So you must walk circumspectly. <laughs> give careful thought to your path for your... Careful thought to your path for your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right and left. Keep your foot from evil. That's the first. That's how, that's how you win. This, that's how you win. This is how you, you begin to win. When you begin to look straight ahead. When you begin to gaze directly before you. When you begin to give thoughts to your feet. When you begin to become steadfast. When you begin to not tend to hear that any wind is blowing you. And when you keep your foot from evil. And you begin to walk in holiness. And build your stronger relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is closer to you. This is how you begin to win. Ladies, I'm telling you this. It is not too late to win. Well, God can give you a second chance. It is not too late to win. Because God can give you a second chance. It is not too late to win. Because God can give you a second chance. The founder of KFC started from his retirement. His retirement money. He succeeded at the end of his life. Because he discovered the secret. Go on. Go to the next one. Let me try to finish this one. 
Okay, so 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 let's move out some now. Now the P. As you do African scripture, I hope you did. Now, now, now the P, eh? The P is prayer. If you want to win, eh? Be specific. The next thing to do is to pray about your specificity. And prayer more bold, sprinters food, however. The barefootedness and prayer from one end to the other end. Nothing happens by chance. So the hand of God must be in it. Let me show you something. You see, what you cannot do by what you cannot do naturally, do you supernaturally. Do you supernaturally. We are not here. We didn't come here naturally on the sprinter's road. We didn't come here naturally. We are here supernaturally. We didn't come to this venue naturally. We are here supernaturally. God planted us here. God planted us here. Look, 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 look. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Look, look at this. But they that wait upon the Lord. Now, when you hear the word, the expression, they that wait upon the Lord, it's different from daily prayer and small, small pelotons. It means you exclusively separating yourself for some time and waiting upon the Lord. Anything that keeps you so busy so that you don't have time for God, that thing makes you a busybody. You see, when you say you are busy, what keeps you busy are the most important things. Then the less important things, you take them out of your life. So, if you are so busy to pray, you are so busy to take one day, two days, or three days off to fast and pray, you are saying that those things are less important. God is less important. It's not they that pray. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh. Now, it is, it is, it is gotten vanished in the um, um, vocabularies of Christians. Now, we are not saying, I'm going to wait upon the Lord. It was a normal thing amongst us when we were growing. That I'm going on waiting, so I'm going on waiting. So, my boys, then we catch ourselves. Then we go on waiting. We go and pray, sir. We go and pray, sir. Go, look, look, look. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. See, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Sometimes mommy said, don't you get tired? I said, I don't. I don't. A man that waits upon the Lord. <laughs> I said, I don't. Tony, aren't you tired? I said, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. And when you wait upon the Lord, you don't crawl. You run. They that wait upon the Lord shall mount up on wings like the eagle. Shall mount up on wings like the eagle. So there's a supernatural change. There's a supernatural change. When you know how to wait upon the Lord, you stop being a human being. <laughs> The theologians and the apologetics will start picking me up on this. But but then that wait upon the Lord shall mount up on wings like the eagle. <laughs> they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You know weariness. You know where, where is weariness? There are two types of tiredness. When you walk from Dancing more to this place, and you say, I am tired. It's different from when a man's husband 
or a woman's wife is disturbing him and he says, I'm tired. I'm tired of this marriage. That's what we call weariness. Weariness. So the Bible says you shall not be weary. It means you will not be wear out. You will not be worn out by all the things that are happening around you. You may go through problems. You may have already established that the best part of your years. You deal with problems. But if you know how to wait upon the Lord, you go through it. The storms will come. You will go through it. You will have the storms hitting your marriage. But you know you will go through it. Because you know how to wait upon the Lord. It will hit your business. You will go through it. Because you know how to wait upon the Lord. Can't you see how the churches are going and expanding in the midst of COVID? Can't you see the new projects we are doing in the midst of COVID? We are supernatural. Because we give our natural to God and God gives us his super. And we become supernatural. Now, look, look at this. Look at this second scripture. Look at this second scripture. Now, this was after Elijah had waited and prayed on Mount Carmel. And, pay, and prayed and prayed and prayed. First Kings 18, verse 46. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his claw into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. If you want to run ahead of people, eh? you run ahead of people, you need the power of God to come upon you. The power of God comes upon you in the closet of prayer. In the closet of prayer. In the closet of prayer. If you want to win this year, pray. Spend time in prayer. Hmm. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. And let me... Now... Now, the E is speed. The first E is speed. It's education. The first E is speed. Now, I'll do a series called In the Corridors of Power. Okay, I'll do a series called Building. And in Building, I'll share this. So, I'll, I'll just jump over it. But quickly, look at something. Look at something. Listen. The more you know, the more you do. And the more you do, the more you become. And the more you become, the more you, you want more. Daniel 1, 3 to 4. If knowledge cannot transform you, I don't know what can transform you. If knowledge cannot transform you, I don't know what will transform you. Do you know the reason why? The development of every nation is quality education. Travel outside and sit in a university. When I hear people say, eh, um, Mark Zuckerberg, that's his name, eh? the founder of Facebook, it's a school dropout. It's a school dropout. He did one year in Harvard, isn't it? He did one year in Harvard and dropped out. Did one year or two years and dropped out. His one year in Harvard is like a PhD in some of the universities here. So this, I'm telling you, the secondary school he attended before entering Harvard is like some of your universities here. So don't sit and say, you, you went to, I'm a momo, and you want to drop out. I'm a momo itself is already drop out. <laughs> Local authority primary school. You already drop out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You already drop out. Teachers don't go to school. Nobody sees them. Teachers don't teach nobody. Children are just, oh. Now look, look. The king 
Daniel chapter 1, 3 and 4, the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Nobody wants useless people to come and worry in the corners of power. Say, so bring noble people, people who have come from good families. People who have come from good families. Would you like your, your child to marry from a rough family? One guy, one guy who was going to marry a girl. I did all the arrangement, prayed with a guy. I said, now, let's go and visit the girl's house and see. I was there, the girl came and said, no, this when he calls the boy. The boy doesn't pick. And he's trying, reaching the boy. And the boy is not minding him. That is the problem in our house. So we don't marry. When the men are listening, that he sees the problem. I said, I'll call the boy. I'll call the boy. Don't worry, he's my son. I'll call him. Call the guy. Daddy, the way I went, the day I went to the house to go and greet the mother and the aunties, all the old ladies in the house were drunk. In the center of the house, they sell acquisition. And they themselves, they buy it. They buy, they share the acquisition. So everybody was drunk. Daddy, I can't marry into that house where everybody is drunk. Now, if I have a problem with my wife, who am I going to talk to? When you get a real man for us, I'm behind you. Now, you're fine. Hey! Now, 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 now. He said, young men without any physical defect. Handsome. You see, you see what he's talking about? Presentable. Strong. Firm. And you lazy boys, I know. See me, see me, yanti. Men to me, I'm calling evangelism. Or you know, see me, me see yemi ya. Hey! Now, this is why I want you. Showing aptitude for every kind of learning. You want speed? You must show aptitude for every kind of learning. In other words, you must have a big mind scope. You should read everything. Learn everything. In other words, in other words you must not be a master of all, but a servant of all. Be a master of one, a one, one. How do you call this? Um, is this one branch of knowledge? Be a master of one branch of knowledge, but the servant of all the branches of knowledge. Take a problem, a marital problem, to your pastor. So, pastor, my husband is doing this and this and this and this. And because he doesn't know how to provide marital counseling, he will just switch it into But you, you know that what is making your husband cheat is not You know that and you are coming for counseling. When you are leaving, you are so disappointed. Aptitude for every kind of learning. Now, nobody, mommy wants to employ a front desk and they want to enter somebody for front desk and honey, we need front desk. I say, nobody employs front desk staff anymore to come and sit down there and receive calls and visitors. No, the person must be multi skilled. Whilst if visitors are not coming, you should be contributing something else to the organization. Now, who is going to do secretaryship? Who is doing secretaryship? I want to be a media, media, I'm going to be a stenographer's grade one. 
Secretary Who is doing it? Maybe, maybe it's at the ministries. Maybe it's at the ministry. Ministry of Agreg. Or local government ministry. Then you find secretaries there. But now you, you find secretaries. Ah! No, no, those of you who work in um, social organizations, I'm not talking about those who are working on field, field organizations. They have secretaries and all those things because that's why they are failing. To have at least BA in, in business administration and come and sit at their front desk and do other things other than just hello, who are you looking for? Please write your name, I'm coming. And then you get up, there you go, and then you come. You see, I've created a new blog here. The reason I created this space here is to create a PR team to welcome you. And the PR team is made up of people that have customer service skills. Even in church. Even in church. They have customer service skills. Attitude for every kind of learning. And then well informed. When somebody is well informed, the person is able to what you see the most painful thing is to sponsor someone to go to school and the person finishes school and cannot use what he learned to help grow your organization. Those who are well informed are able to transform the knowledge in their head into solutions for you. And then, and then quick to understand. They can think on their feet. So if you want to run in life, you must have aptitude for all kinds of learning. You must be well informed. And you must, you must be quick to understand. Your boss, you don't understand. You know, you it was can be people don't have time to can be able no time to can be able. Ah, you, you, you work with me in my office, and you will see. I go to my uh, front desk. We don't we don't have you see where, where you come. It's not a front desk. All those ladies there have MBAs and um first degrees in, in electronic engineering. So those ladies, they are not front desk. So they are the reason why I put them there because they are the most intelligent girls I've ever found. I'm not saying they are the most intelligent staff. I said the most intelligent girls I've ever found. So I know staff members say, they are very intelligent. And they're not just sitting down there. They are recruiting students. They are dealing with inquiries. They are solving students' problems. They are they are doing they are multitasking. front desk. qualification then. qualification Now see, qualified to serve in the king's palace. So everybody who is a king, everybody who is a king. Everybody who is a good boss, who wants this company to grow and wants this company to succeed, you don't employ people because you are, they are your church members. You don't employ people because they are your relatives. You employ people because they have these three. You don't employ people because they are your friends. You employ people for these three things. You don't employ them because they are your children. You employ them for these three things. Aptitude for every kind of learning. 
well informed and quick to understand. Well informed, I've told you, well informed, you are able to tran translate information to solutions. Okay. She was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. So, the reason why he was tough, he wanted knowledgeable people. I will teach you on this. You see this drawing? It will come up. The next series after this is called Building. And I'll show you how knowledge can help you build your life. And I'll share these three things. I'll, I'll go into these things with you, in details with you. It's called In the Corridors of Power, Knowledge is King. Yeah. Go to White House in America and see people there. Harvard graduates. You go to uh, Downing Street, 10 Downing Street in the UK. The people there, they started from eating college. They went to either Oxford or uh, which one? The Cambridge. In the corridors of power. The court of power. Knowledge is king. Uh, African Guana food soldiers to make, occupy corridors of power. Only in Africa. That's why we don't grow. That's why we don't grow. That's why we don't develop. Only in Africa that our corridors of power is controlled by food soldiers. Okay. Can we move on? E. The second E is exchange. Exchange. Let me tell you this. Exchange. Life, eh? It is what you put in that you get. Look at this. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will raise what he sows. That's what you want to say. Look at you. I saw this here. You have to understand it. Life is like farming. You reap what you sow. Why you put in? What comes to you? Ravimboa. Hey. And, and these are biblical principles. So. These are biblical principles. Every time I teach you, it's in the Bible. Because is in the Bible. That's how me and mommy will sit down and we'll be talking. They will say, Charlie, yeah, you know. And then our mind will go back when we started affiliates, where she was going, when I was standing here to Ghana police headquarters, because we wanted to train police people. And then when I, I did, then she would tell me, because then we call officer, from morning to evening. They will not even send me water. And then I'm waiting, just a letter, just a common letter for them to give to me. And then I'll be waiting. And then I'll go here. And then I'll pass here. And then I'll go there. I really have money to trot for. We're doing it. And whatever we put in, then we are seeing it. Put something in life, it will come back to you more. It will come back to you more. Whatever you put in life, it comes back to you more. Don't want to put anything in life, you rip nothing. Go, let me start closing. I think in the last one. Dexterity. Dexterity. You want to win? You want to win? Sharpen your skills. Sharpen your skills. Listen, Proverbs 18, verse 16. Proverbs 18, verse 16. A man's gift makes room for him. 
and brings him before the great. Before the great. Some of the places I've been to and some of the people I have met. It's my gift that took me there. It is a guy called Titi Ofer. He does this. Let's, 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 let's. You know when I travel out there, and I get so, so surprised. I'm visiting, I'm visiting a school, and then um, the vice chancellor of a 30,000 British university has gathered. The, the last visit I did, the last visit I did was in one of the finest universities in the UK, the center of, 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 of the UK, uh, of, of London. And the people that accompanied me were surprised. They have, they have, one of their guys consulting for African presidents. They put them from Africa because a president of a university from Africa is coming. So we want you to come back. And then the vice chancellor, and then brought this um, a woman that teaches, a top professor that teaches um, um, spiritual leadership. Because my background is a bishop, they brought this, they brought this, and the people who were with me were like, Tell me, how did you get all these people? How are they meeting you? A man's gift will make room for you. A man's gift will make room for you. Don't be surprised that the next time I'll be sharing this, I'll be talking about meeting Queen Elizabeth. Don't be surprised that some guy doing something in Africa is in town, and, you know. A man's gift. Will make room for him. Dexterity, your skills, develop it. Whatever God has placed in you, develop it. God will not let all these things about Father open, Father open a door for me. Lord open a door for me. Lord open. He said, "I have placed before you an open door which no man can shut. The door is opened, but how to walk in there is your problem. You need to carry a gift to walk in through that door. You cannot walk in through that door." Empty-handed. Father, open the door for me. Open the door for me. Open the door for me. A man's gift will make room. You are too gifted, too blessed. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has a gift. Even if we're a liar, you have the gift of persuasion. <laughs> that's why. That's why you can lie. You just have to turn it into a positive thing. If you are you are talkative, you have the gift of public speaking. You have the gift. You have. You are supposed to be a public speaker. But the reason why you gossip is because you haven't developed the gift. Oh yeah, so you haven't developed the gift. If you are always talking and people are laughing, you have the gift to become a comedian. But you haven't developed it. So, so you let people laugh just around you, and you make you don't make any money. I'm, t- I'm telling you. You have to develop it. And build it. I have a friend, when we call each other, we talk and we laugh, sir. Cry some jokes and we laugh. Pastor, that's how we are. When pastors we meet, we want to bend our attention. We bring up things, we laugh. I told the guy that, challenge, do you know this um, conversation we have been having and we have been laughing? If only we have been courageous when we were young, we start acting, Labana will be ritual. I will be rich. Lebanon, you will be a jackal, I will be Lenway. <laughs> and we will be, we'll be rich. We will be enjoying ourselves. So I came to show you how to win. And you can win. Are you hearing me? Take this sermon. Go back to Facebook. 
and watch it over and over again. Make notes for yourself. Tell the Holy Ghost to help you to make bold decisions and to take steps based on these things. You see, next week, I'll teach you on chance how to spot opportunities. How to spot opportunities. I love you. God bless you.